We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on Rotoviz Overtime. Sean, we did a bonus couple of episodes over the weekend. We recorded a NFL draft for some of, uh, fun on the underdog Superflex big board. And with that, it just clicked into our heads as we attempted to do the intro for the show here that when I said that episode 400 would be this Saturday show, with those two bonus episodes off the podcast, that now turns today's show into episode 400. So we have... Uh, snuck that landmark up on ourselves here even as we get ready to record the show so 400 episodes in the books 400 episodes with you as the co-host it's been a a great run we keep seeming to hit these milestones quicker and quicker because we have been putting out at least three shows every week for the last probably year and a half at this point and then we've done some of these drafts as well so looking forward to today's show because it's gonna be a fun breakdown off that draft when we look through some of our roster and then some of the other rosters and the underdog superflex big board that we did so uh, i guess happy 400th uh, i don't know if it's an anniversary or what we call it but happy 400th uh, road of his overtime to you yeah and it's been a lot of fun and this draft was a great way to get to 400 it was really fascinating to see how it played out i'm looking forward to going over that with you today and then for the 400th show we'll throw a few fun things onto the end there a few television recommendations uh answer some listener questions and i'm looking forward to it we uh drafted a lot of rookies in this draft column and that's exactly what we wanted to do going in uh set the stage for the listeners how did we approach this super flex draft on underdog yeah i was going to throw in a spoiler alert there but most of the the listeners may have already listened into the draft itself i was getting a lot of positive feedback on that over the last couple of days before we dive into that i do want to shout out a number of people reached out to me last thursday sean uh, i don't think i mentioned this to you at any point but uh, the thursday episode of the show uh, or the tuesday episode of the show had a small part that i like there was a, a bit of silence that i wanted to cut out of the track after i had uploaded it and uh in my error i oh, <laughs> i saved it as the uh, thursday episode of the show so on thursday i got a couple of uh tweets to say that it was the same audio was up the second time and then i realized what i had done so i had to redo the show and get it posted up but thankfully we got it uh, done pretty pretty early in the the system but thanks to anyone who did shout out for that with us as uh we <laughs> we enter episode 400 but thanks as well to all the listeners who have been with us on that journey i know there's a number a lot of people who have been there from episode one two three four all the way through i know there's some people who have joined in along the way but thanks to everyone for all the support off the podcast but sean getting into what we attempted to do in this draft and, and then how the rest of the leagues went on it is the underdog superflex big board draft it is ten dollars to enter some quite hefty prize money and prizes to be won along the way so uh, get in and get involved and in that if you use the code rotoviz while signing up you'll get yourself a 100 sign up bonus up to 100 dollars. so get involved code once again is rotoviz but in this draft sean our goal was to draft as many rookies well not as many rookies as possible but it is super flex we we're hoping to go and get ourselves that top end quarterback and then 
going wit all the way out to get some of those rookies because we expect them to to get first round capital most of them and then obviously that will probably lead to them playing it this season so that was the goal we did go heavy with rookies throughout the draft we ended up i believe sean there's seven in there out of the 20 draft picks that we have are rookies so it's going to be fun to go through but what we kind of did at quarterback was we started off from the 104 slot we got ourselves lamar jackson and then we sealed off kind of the the other onesie kind of position that we'll be looking to target with an elite option that was travis kelsey in the second round a tight end and then we also and this wasn't really our approach in our, our plan sean to start the draft off but we waited then for rookies at the tight end position as well so uh, backing ourselves up there with uh, trey mcbride later in the draft and, and dulich as well then in the last round so a real fun draft probably more heavy running back than listeners would be expecting us to have what i would say is we're not going to dive specifically into our team on this roster we are going to look at other teams and on, on the podcast rather um but as a whole sean our roster what we attempted to set out to do and get all those rookie quarterbacks and how it turned out i know this is something that we had talked about a few times potentially attempting how did it work in execution yeah, it just it turned into a dream draft, right? We were able to get those three rookies. And I don't think it was seven. I think it was nine. I think you're missing the two rookie tight ends that we drafted in rounds 19 and 20 to get the nine there total. The other rookies were a matter of value at that spot, right? So it's not necessarily a matter of targeting rookies specifically, but you want wide range of outcomes players and you want good value on those players. We feel like we got that. The rookies, that was definitely something we set out to do because we believe those guys are undervalued. It was interesting here to look through the draft and every other team had their QB2 by the end of round five. We didn't take ours until round 13. And then obviously the goal is to have some volume because we don't know which ones of those players are going to definitely play early enough to make it work. You have the foundation piece of Lamar Jackson, but you're going to need that second QB in this format right and so we take the three players we get corral ritter and how it's not a guarantee that you can execute this i tried this once more this weekend sort of by myself and ritter went a little bit early and then that throws things off right but in this one we were able to get all three of those guys you don't necessarily want the four qbs in this format but if you get the three qbs late then you're able to balance that out with the value that you get at the other position so this was a lot of fun, very exciting. It was perfectly the way that it worked. We'll now see where those guys actually go on <laughs> draft weekend and whether or not we think that they're going to be able to play early enough to make that pan out. But, Colin, in terms of what our goal was, it was magical then to see the execution. And, and obviously, that to do that, you're going to need a little bit of luck. And, and we got that as well. We were taking those guys a little bit ahead of ADP, but that obviously doesn't mean that somebody else can't jump in there as well and get those players. There was obviously a couple of choices that also came with selecting those players. And you've kind of noted a few of these. When we took how Gerald Everett was still on the board, he does go a few picks after that. So we weren't able to get him as the second tight end that left us with the two rookies at the very end a couple of the other interesting choices when we selected jk dobbins we were sort of split between dobbins and dj moore he went a couple of picks afterward and then when we took clyde edwards a that was really where the tight ends that we were also looking at went kind of in this next gap with albert o gasicki and fryermuth coming off the board then we take kenny galladay we went heavy at running back and so we were looking for some wide receiver followers. Galladay, uh, far beyond where he probably should be. Obviously, the fact that he goes there pretty consistently means that the community does have him pegged at that spot. But when you look at the potential for the Giants to really improve and you look at some of the other veterans that fantasy managers are betting on, Galladay a better risk-adjusted selection there than some of the players who are more expensive and probably have more risk attached to them so we make that pick but then the rest of the tight ends go that leaves us with the rookie tight ends late because we had travis kelsey as our second round pick i still really like that so colin this draft a lot of fun we did take those four consecutive running backs after the jackson kelsey dig start and then we did add ceh to them so we have five running backs we're hoping to really make an impact 
You've got to fill those two running back spots, and then the running backs are very viable in the flex in this format. Now, because you lose one of the wide receiver spots in the super flex, that means wide receivers fill the flex even more easily, and yet at the same time, you're not going to be in this situation where you're starting four wide receivers unless you end up having to go a wide receiver into the super flex Again, obviously not ideal with the way QBs are likely to score compared to the other positions. I, I like the way that this draft played out with the rookie QBs, but I also really like a lot of the other selections and I like the balance within this team. Yeah, I agree. And there's a couple of spots I will get your thoughts on as we, we look back through it. But um, you mentioned a couple of good things. Listeners off-road of his overtime will be very used to us drafting in the FFPC leagues, which are tight end premium, but then they are also a full point PPR, whereas underdog is half point PPR. And then some changes to the eligibilities for flex positions means that we did go with more of those running back picks. But uh, a couple of players that we kind of hemmed and hawed about, we were talking about trying to get that second tight end. You mentioned it there. Albert O being a target, Fairmouth, Gasecki possible options. And then obviously a little bit later, Everett was an option. And then the round after the Albert O selection, it looked at that point like we had kind of four or five tight ends in our queue we were interested in. And within three picks, kind of three of the, the guys we wanted went after that CEH pick. And then when we got to the Gallaudy selection shortly after that, Tonya and Komet went. So there was a lot of movement at the tight end position at that point. But we did touch on it in the draft show, but CEH and Rojo went within two to three picks of each other in this draft. And we've talked about both of them a few times, trying to get you know some of them on different rosters. But do you think in this case, it's just a case that Edwards Allaire was going too late and that's why we made that selection to, to go with him over Rojo? Or was there any point in your mind that you would have thought of swapping that around and, and taking Rojo over Edwards Allaire? I have these two backs pretty even. And so it's a matter of trying to get a little bit of Edwards Alaire exposure and probably mostly Rojo exposure as the cheaper back. However, he's so electric in a half PPR format, you can easily see why they would be drafted together. I mentioned that in the FFPC draft that Zach and I are doing, they were drafted very close together. I think with the struggles that Edwards Alaire has had, even with the weird season that Jones just completed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his overall profile and I think the enthusiasm that people have for seeing him run in this offense with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and the upside that's there, I think these guys are going to continue to rise. And maybe it's just a matter that Rojo continues to rise and ends up being pretty expensive again and we don't get the discount that we're hoping for He's going to be one of those backs who's a lot of fun because when we're looking back at the 2020 season here, you know, in, in seven, eight months, it's likely to be a situation where we're saying, well, you know, we won in spite of all those Rojo shares and, and Rojo's a good luck charm, even though he doesn't score any points himself. Or it's a situation where we look back and, and he was the guy who won all the leagues, that he's this year's Rashad Penny, he's this year's Devin Singletary, the player who absolutely blows up and scores a ton of points during the fantasy playoffs. We're not going to be the only people thinking that. And so his price may end up being a little problematic as we go through draft season. Yeah, and you are right as well. I just had a quick check back through it for the rookies. Nine out of the 20 picks being rookies, so... Um, it's going to be fun for us looking through the draft seeing how it goes and, and some of these guys if they do get that you know bump around or multiple rounds this team could be looking really uh, really interesting in a couple of weeks time so running through the rookies that we did take again in this particular draft we have Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, uh, we have Corral, Ritter and Howell at the quarterback position, we have McBride, then we have Pierre Strong, we have Tyler Algier and then we have Dulich at tight end to wrap things up so hopefully sean this is one that we will be talking about come the end of the season that has helped us win some big prize money fifty thousand dollars the top prize in this one so hopefully we can chase that one down we will now jump into talking about some of the other teams but i would highly recommend if you want to go back and hear all the thoughts as we went through this live on the clock those podcasts are available on the road of his overtime podcast feed 
Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Diving in now, Sean, to some of the other teams and how things played out for them. I'll let you take it away, but there, there's some interesting builds in it. And again, uh, what I really like about doing drafts in different platforms is, you know, and same as doing different drafts in different leagues, is seeing how to work some of the roster construction out, some of the strategy element of it. And in this, it was no different with a, a number of teams taking different approaches. But what were some of the key standouts for you as we look back on the draft board after the draft is all said and done? Yeah, I, this was a really fun draft to go through because managers adopted a variety of strategies, several of which we know can be effective. We've mentioned the underdog roster explorer tools that will be out shortly and they demonstrate that there are a variety of ways that you can play underdog. And then you throw the super flex element in as well, which really shakes up those first two or three rounds. And you have that additional sort of wild card, and it makes this very, very fun. But one of the things that we saw, we saw some wide receiver heavy teams. We saw some balanced teams. We see some QB heavy teams. We'll start with a couple of the wide receiver heavy teams here. There was one drafted out of the 107 and another out of the 108. Out of the 107, we get a cool team here that starts with Russell Wilson, and then the other two QBs are Justin Fields and Carson Wentz. Wilson, someone we do like, and he has this great situation with the Denver Broncos. It gives you a sense of just how tough it can be in Superflex if you get one of those picks outside of the top five or six, because it seems to me like there's a pretty big tier break between the players that we had a shot at at the 104 and Wilson as your first round pick at the 107 but then we get this team that's very wide receiver heavy and has a lot of our favorite guys especially early or has Justin Jefferson T Higgins Jerry Judy and then some slightly more veteran receivers later Darnell Mooney but then Brandon Cooks and Tyler Lockett kind of break to bring that home DeAndre Swift the only running back drafted in the first 11 rounds and then also a couple of the tight ends that we really like on this roster in Albert O and Gerald Everett. And then Colin, out of the 108, we have a team that starts with Joe Burrow and then has Tua, Daniel Jones, and Malik Willis as the remaining quarterbacks here. So not as much confidence maybe in Tua and Jones. So does select Willis, gets that potentially elite rookie QB, uses the four picks at quarterback, which is a little bit more challenging if you've used that first round pick on Joe Burrow. But then a very fun team where you have Jamar Chase, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, Gallup, and then Christian Watson, an interesting rookie wide receiver late. A lot of red flags with Watson at the same time. This just unbelievable athletic profile and the likelihood, it seems at this point, that one gutsy team will take a risk on him in the first round. And you know that ADP is going to really skyrocket once we have verification of that, especially if he goes to the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think you have to like sort of the contingent play there with that wide receiver. Hawkinson is the tight end. You know, that one gets the overtime stamp of approval. And then at running back, we have Brees Hall in the fifth. And then not another running back until you get this Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad White, Marlon Mack string from rounds 12 through 14. Colin, what are your thoughts here on these two builds? 
One is built around DeAndre Swift. The other is built around Brees Hall. They both have strong QB play. And then we absolutely love, especially the early round wide receivers. Yeah, they've they've really stocked up here on wide receivers on both these rosters. And there are a lot of the guys that that we like to draft. I know, you know, Cooks and Lockett been more veteran presences, but the the Jefferson Higgins Judy combo with Mooney. And then I think if you're getting Cooks and Lockett as your fifth and sixth receiver you're in a a really good spot you did mention earlier in the show though that it's unlikely basically to get the value out of you know the depth of wide receiver strength so maybe we could have seen this team pivot a little bit more running back but if if the opportunity was staring them in the face for these guys i think it makes sense swift being the only running back in the first 11 rounds again in this format could make it a little bit tricky but i'm looking forward to drafting some very wide receiver heavy teams over the the coming months here as well and i think some of our rosters are really going to look like this we mentioned like you know the guys that we are targeting at the running back position are guys like deandre swift Brees hall was the on the second roster and he's in there and ramondre stevenson was somebody we targeted a lot last year as well and he's on that roster i think they've also done uh, some interesting builds with quarterback as well you know Carson Wentz is definitely not really on my radar this year but when you're looking at super flex formats and trying to get that third quarterback as depth I think pairing him with Wilson and Fields is interesting but I w- look we're going to talk about having concerns over other teams quarterback rooms we have uh, basically all the rookies on our roster um, so there's obviously concerns about our quarterback room as well but um, I-, I think both rosters very strongly built the other thing I really like it they, they- basically sniped us uh, and stole our you know two kind of late round tight end targets that we wanted to have in albert o and gerald everett so the 107 team i think is is a really strong build overall likewise with the 108 they've gone with borrow to uh then they have jones in there and willis so still a lot of question marks around two but getting a, a major upgrade at wide receiver getting tyreek hill in there then we obviously we love joe burrow i think you've mentioned on a few shows recently that he may be going a little bit higher than maybe we think he should in terms of adp even and that, that's with us loving him as much as we do but he did pair him up with chase as well so he has the borough chase stack and he has hopkins mclaurin in there he has brandon Ayuk, michael gallup and i think like you mentioned with watson um like our rookie selections some of these guys are going to have prime landing spots and and we're going to get giddy i think about the adps in a couple of weeks and sean you mentioned the stamp of approval. I don't think there's anyone that gets the Sean Siegel stamp of approval this season more than uh, those Hawkinson picks. So I think if I if I was you know picking which one of these rosters I would rather you know be given ownership of at this point in time, I would say the team out of the 108, but but both solid builds overall. But again, if you compare it to our roster, and we're usually the wide receiver heavier teams, um, you know I think that running back could be a little bit built on i feel like i'm on twitter at the moment where uh, i post a team and then somebody tweets back to say your running backs aren't strong enough but um i, I think both these teams are, are looking pretty good and i can see what they were setting out to achieve to do here yeah Colin, you don't want to be that guy who's uh, saying running backs not strong enough i mean that's not even a thing is it we can't let the Danny Carter see this clip anyway, or there's I don't know what we're gonna do. I I was talking and then I was like, is this am I saying this? But um, yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, we'll just say that their rosters look really good at this point. They do. But they look. They need more running backs. <laughs> well, you blew it there. No, we we do have a, a running back heavy slash balanced build then out of twelve, and and we won't give away the specifics, but this is one of the best best ball drafters in the world making this selection this team so kind of a a fun one to check out we go with christian mccaffrey and the 12th pick there i mentioned that some of those quarterbacks that you're getting in the second half of the first round i'm a little bit more skeptical of even though it's super flex and you do feel pushed into that uh cmc in the first round i like obviously you're getting him at the the 112 even if there are reasons because most of those picks in front are qbs you have to feel good about that and he comes back with Matthew Stafford there at the turn. So again, very understandable to get Stafford. You know, you have your Super Bowl winning quarterback there. It seems like he will have solid weapons again in the 2022 season. A very both high upside, but then safe build as well. So you can see just how to, to start a team here and to make sure you combine those two qualities. But then we're thinking about the running back element of this team. He goes with Akers and Connor in rounds five and six, Pollard and Singletary in rounds nine and 10. 
the value there on those picks and the way that it allows you to build a roster around that, again, when we're talking about it being super flex, we're talking about it being half PPR. I mean, those are different things than when we're talking about a normal PPR draft. So again, you like the foundation and then perhaps not a surprise that some of these wide receivers are ones we really like. AJ Brown in round four, Elijah Moore and Juju in the seven, eight turn, and then Rondale in 12. There's an interesting thing about this roster. We had mentioned in the show that when you lose one of those wide receiver slots for the super flex, it does bump up tight end a little bit. But the other element of the tight ends in the underdog format is they don't have the same pop that they do in some other formats. And so you are going to see some drafters wait. He goes with Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram in rounds 13 through 15. We know that there are some downsides to waiting at the tight end position and yet this is kind of the the spread approach the attack three of these guys at very palatable prices you're not spending much at all when you're talking about rounds 13 through 15 you would need a little bit of a, a bounce back for thomas tyler higby has that role there in the rams offense and then evan ingram Obviously, we're already starting to get the puff pieces out of Jacksonville on him. Ingram, when it's not an actual NFL football game, is going to look like one of the best tight ends in the NFL. The question for him is, you know, can he build it into the game itself? I really like this build. A lot of the guys that we like, and you can see the combination of balance and upside. It is interesting at QB. Tannehill is the QB2. Baker Mayfield is the QB3. We perhaps don't have a ton of rushing value in the QBs on this team. And there is some question as to whether Baker Mayfield will start really anywhere in 2022. There are several teams that still need a QB. You would kind of expect that unless they are really excited about the QB they take in the draft, that they may still make a move for Mayfield. But Mayfield compared to the rookies, is an interesting question and then definitely some of the other guys like a Carson Wentz and a Jerry Goff those guys are interesting we're about to look at a team that took Davis Mills as their fourth QB Mills it definitely seems like the Texans want to see again and when they're not going to have a competitive roster and the QB position is not considered to be a strength in this year's draft it wouldn't be a surprise if they give him another season at the same time, I think we're going to see some shock selections at the QB during the NFL draft. And so, you know, I wonder about the value of those picks in that kind of QB 25 to QB 32 range if you're not sure that they're going to be the starter and maybe the upside also isn't there. Yeah, I think we could see some of those guys, like you mentioned there, like Mills flip, you know, rankings with the, the rookies over the coming weeks. But does feel like the Texans do want to give him an opportunity and he did we'll talk about it in a second but he went in the the ninth round but I really think the team out of 12 really there's so many players in it that we like um Christian McCaffrey in there I, I'm not really in on Cam Akers but then there is James Connor, who I think is in a, an amazing scenario at the moment unless things change through the draft and then Pollard and Singletary are very interesting at the ninth tenth uh turn there as well Mayfield is an interesting pick because outside of a trade i don't really see any way that he's going to play well if watson got suspended obviously is another way so we'll, we'll see how that you think one works any out potential that he's still there with the browns because the browns are actually planning for a suspension of half to three quarters of the season yeah that's that's what a, the other thing i was just going to kind of mention when i said about unless there's a suspension because that's really the only way I can see him starting. I could see him getting traded out. The Browns don't seem to want to do that. And if they were going to do it, it would seem like the time to do it would be before the draft or during the draft uh, to get some return on investment this year, probably. But we'll see how that does play out. But I do like Tannehill um, as a quarterback option this year. And I know Stafford really doesn't have any rushing upside, but Tannehill from time to time, we do see it from him. He is also paired with AJ Brown. And um, so they have that stack for the Titans there. Juju with the Chiefs is an interesting pickup, and we're we're very excited about both Elijah Moore and hopefully, like we're excited. We've seen some stuff from Elijah Moore last year. We didn't see a huge amount from Rondell, but hopefully we'll see some from Rondell Moore this season. And he went in the twelfth round. Tight end is something that's 
going to be a little bit patched together. But Sean, we kind of talked about this when we talked about our own draft. We were kind of giving up the the position a little bit of quarterback with the hope of really stockpiling um, the talent, you know, up until we got the rest of our quarterbacks. And with this team, they've really stockpiled talent up until the point that they've gone for tight end. So going late round tight end with this one with Thomas Higby and Ingram. A lot of question marks there, but again, like you mentioned, not the upside off the tight ends over at the FFPC when you're drafting an underdog. So I'm intrigued to see how that team plays out as well. I think we, we were in a pretty sharp room here with uh, some some very strong teams. So um, I think this one is uh, is right up there. It is. And then just to kind of conclude, we had two teams that started quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And if you've been following Blair's work on Superflex on the FFPC, you know that this can be a very effective way to start drafts. When we look at this format specifically, where you don't have a ton of other starters and the QB is such a huge part of it, to have the three players there that you can count on and to score a lot of points, it gives you both the floor and the ceiling. And if you do hit on the rest of your picks, you're more or less going to blow away the league. Now, You are going to be a little bit lighter at those positions. And we'll see here with the team that was drafted out of five. I think this one is really interesting. You and I had the choice of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. We went with Jackson because we like the overall offensive profile there. We think he could be the QB one. He has the rushing value, which is very helpful in this format. But that does allow Patrick Mahomes to go at the 105. They back that up with Trey Lance and Deshaun Watson. So we have some extremely risky, but extremely high upside picks. So you look at this from a tournament perspective. If Trey Lance is the starter and he's going to be the starter, right? There's, there's no way they can come back. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm in the same boat there with Kyle Shanahan. I think that Garoppolo should be a starter somewhere. You look at Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, as we mentioned, as the starter with the Carolina Panthers. I think that makes you a lot more excited about DJ Moore as the guy and you know even though we haven't been picking him in early drafts I still have a ton in dynasty that portion of it interesting but Trey Lance there he's got the massive upside and then Deshaun Watson obviously the potential to finish as the overall QB1 if he plays I have skeptical about that but also have absolutely no idea how that will turn out so then because of some of the risks there Davis Mills does go to this team in round nine that's tricky because some of the other positions don't have maybe the depth that you would like to see. Now, the starting lineup, still very, very good. You have Alvin Kamara, Elijah Mitchell, Kareem Hunt, and Miles Sanders. A lot of firepower at running back, especially if Kamara is able to play this season. And then you have Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown, Robert Woods, Jacoby Myers, Jameson Crowder, Donovan Peoples-Jones at wide receiver. I'm not necessarily in on those guys outside of Marquise Brown, but you can see where they were a good value relative to where they went in the draft. And if what the fantasy community overall believes about those players plays out, that team will look good at the wide receiver position, depth really being the thing that will come into play there. And then at tight end, you have George Kittle and David Njoku. Kittle, again, it jumps right back to this question of, you know, what is going to be the situation there with Trey Lance. So we have some synergies in that if Lance really plays out for, if Lance really pans out for this team, that will be a rising tide that should help George Kittle. Now, a lot of the thesis with Lance obviously is with the legs, but he needs to have a good season there as a passer taking the step forward. That'll help George Kittle. This team fits together nicely. I think that if you're going to take that risk on Lance and Watson, though, you're basically saying, you know, these guys are going to play, maybe use that round nine pick somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I would be trying to change in this team. If you are going to start and try and get those three running backs, or sorry, three quarterbacks in those first four or five rounds, I think then you'd probably need to just save the data and go with a, a three quarterback build. And you kind of want to be getting guys that, you're pretty sure are locked in and, and ready to go. So um, I, I would have some concerns over going to four quarterback build with so much invested in those first four rounds. And then uh, Mills, like, again, you could you could be putting that uh, ninth round pick into other positions that you can go with. But I do like having Kittle there. I, I'm still not set on uh, David Njoku, but, you know, he has all the athletic capabilities, whether it all ever clicks to him uh, to to you know, being an elite tight end at the NFL level remains to be seen. And then some question marks then around the wide receivers with Cooper, Brown, 
who I think will both be fine. But then Robert Woods coming back of injury, Myers, who is in a relatively low volume offense, and then Crowder, who we do think is in a good spot, but um, we're down then to Donovan Peoples Jones. So I think there's a, a lot of question marks. The other thing was the question marks around Kamara and his off the field situation. I still think there's a chance that the Eagles draft a running back, so that could hurt Sanders. And then you have Hunt, who is already um, in that competition with the with Nick Chubb. So we'll see how it plays out, Sean. But really fun draft over at Underdog, and really fun then to have a recap of the teams. But hopefully the, the listeners enjoyed that part. So we're going to look into a listener question that did come in, and uh, we're talking Dynasty Tight End Premium Superflex Startup Drafts. Uh, the the question comes in from somebody drafting from the 104 selection. They do mention that they have a, a man crush on, on Kyle Pitts since his time at UF. He's asking, is he crazy to take him at the 104 ahead of some of the, the quarterback options that you know you can start? So we're talking today on the show about Superflex Drafts and obviously the importance of having some of those quarterbacks. But Sean, how do you feel in Dynasty when we're talking Superflex, but it is tight end premium also going for Kyle Pitts? The, the two questions I have first is, do you think he is the clear tight end one in a format like that in Dynasty? And then do you think you should be trying to dive in and get some of those uh, prime quarterbacks? And I know for the, the sake of this option, Sean, will say that you don't have the option to trade back because I, I know we love to do a bit of trading back in these drafts. We do like to trade back and that. I hadn't been thinking about that within the context of this question, but that is something that I would definitely look into there. If you move back from the 104 to the 108, 109, which is where I think Kyle Pitts should be going, sometimes you can pick up a future one, maybe in a future one and two, that really changes your team around and allows you to execute this strategy around Pitts. I do think that Pitts is the very clear-cut tight end one in Dynasty. He's going to be an absolute monster for the long term. Basically a big receiver who looks like he's going to be more or less unstoppable at the NFL level. Now, within that context, there's the potential for him to actually lose a little bit of value this year because the Falcons they look like they're kind of in the same boat here with the Chicago Bears. The Bears are being talked about all the time as a team that is just absolutely tearing things down, will be awful. It's knocking down the value of guys like Justin Fields and David Montgomery in redraft. We know someone like Montgomery is going to have a hard time recouping that value in Dynasty over the long term. Pitts, I don't think he's going to have anything like that problem, obviously, but he's probably not going to jump a ton and when you're already here in the first round in super flex startups then you know there's not not really much room to grow from that perspective but i have pits ranked toward the end of the first round i think if you have the 104 i'm always tempted to try and build with a very risky approach at qb and you know take some of the depth guys let them pan out or not as you work through these first couple of years you build enough depth at the other positions and you can win even with poor qb play I've had that happen a few times and yet when you have a, a top five or six pick I mean, you're looking at a group of qbs right now where their value is just so far and away above everyone except for perhaps jamar chase but everyone else right i mean the gap here is just is pretty significant you're looking at having them for a long long time and so that element of it i don't think that you can really deviate from the quarterback position if you've got the 104 there right so we definitely have mahomes and josh allen i think you can add lamar jackson very clearly to that group his rushing value makes him a shot for the the qb1 in any given year and then we look at some of these guys, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, not as much rushing value, although Herbert, especially a fantastic athlete, the big young guy with the massive arm and the good offense, Herbert going as the 102 or the QB2 in a lot of different formats this season as people are concerned about Jackson's recovery, concerned about Mahomes' weapons, concerned about Kyler Murray's character. And so he obviously fits into that group. And then Murray... I, he's a little bit more of the wild card. I think that he fits right there with Allen and Jackson in terms of upside from a dynasty perspective. Maybe you worry a little bit more about personality 
than you would in a redraft league where it really just more or less makes sense to take him every time uh, at the prices that he's going when you're getting this discount based on some of the things that have happened there in the offseason in Arizona. But you look at that group, you throw in Joe Burrow. Burrow, someone we've mentioned as being a little bit overvalued from a redraft perspective, but as that knee gets better, they get a little more aggressive on offense. These receivers grow a little bit. You know, it's not hard to see a scenario in which Joe Burrow becomes really sort of peak Tom Brady early in his career. And you you think a little bit about that 2007 season from Brady. Could Burrow have two or three campaigns in him that are like that in the next seven or eight seasons? And it's easy to see why people are very high on Burrow. So it'd be hard to pass on any of those guys to select a Kyle Pitts if you do take pits, it's almost a situation too where you have to be a little bit patient because you're probably not going to get that epic season in 2022. If you're willing to be patient in a dynasty format, there are probably some even better ways to do that. So I'm very high on pits. He is the only tight end and one of, I believe, only four non QBs that I have in my top tier, which in dynasty, the tier system, we have kind of a cool thing on the site right now. The tiers give you also trade value. Those players worth three first-round picks. And so Pitts goes in there with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Jonathan Taylor as the only non-QBs that meet that standard. Very, very valuable. Probably don't take him at the 104. The last thing we're going to finish up with today, Sean, and kind of homage to hitting 400 episodes, we like to do our listener recommendations. We haven't done them as much because we've been having our uh, guests on two shows recently um, and it's been fantastic to get them on so we'll do one today and uh, we love getting them in from the listeners as well so if you have any recommendations following on from what we talk about today feel free to uh, let us know and, and send them my way and i'll pass it on to sean um <laughs> by carrier pigeon however however we're sharing messages these days but sean uh, i don't know if you want to go first or you want to go second I'll, I'll leave that choice up to you you go, because I'm going to make three. I'm very excited about this. So episode 400, we're just going to let it all hang out from the recommendations perspective. I've been really enjoying some TV. What do you got for us? Yeah, I, I thought like I was going to start off with, you know, we hadn't planned to do this because we mentioned at the start of the show that episode uh, 400 kind of crap up on us with the, the bonus pods for the draft. So, um, but I have a show that I did watch recently and I've been very impressed with a TV show. But Sean, I know you like reading i know you like books so it is also based on a new york times bestseller and there is also an irish connection to it uh, some people will know the name some people may not um, he also has branched out into selling wine it's graham norton who i would class as an irish comedian um but has his own tv show kind of like a late night talk show that is on so i don't know if the listeners are familiar with him but um he has a book called holding which was a new york times bestseller which has been developed into a tv show now but it is a very short kind of season the episodes are about 45 to 50 minutes long but i was kind of you know really enthralled in it and to be honest it got to the end of it and i was like uh like is there more it kind of came upon you very suddenly but there's a couple of scenes in it where I was just mesmerized by the acting capabilities of some of the actors where even when it starts off, you're like, oh, this person's kind of just going to be, you know, a bit part player in the show. And then they have this kind of riveting 10 minute monologue at some point during the show. And I was really drawn in by that. So kind of a pretty dark story overall, but set in Ireland, um, kind of the, the police are involved or the Garda as they're called over here. And um, I, I was really really interesting and there's not many shows when they finish off that i think that i'll re-watch it pretty quickly but i feel like i'm going to, to dive back in but there is also a book version of this if, if people are interested and that is called holding uh, the tv show and we know that we can't get access to some of the things that you can in the uk but where should we be at least beginning to explore finding this you're going to get me in trouble now sean because i have got access to this via via means that uh, maybe should, <laughs> i shouldn't have either so uh, i would uh, check the internet check the internet very i mean that's like that's <laughs> yeah you, you can't go wrong checking the internet that is where you find access to these shows below the surface is a european show that season one was on hulu it was fantastic uh, unrealistic but fantastic 
um, sort of SWAT team handling a kidnapping, very complicated, again, unrealistic sort of scenario, but fun. And then season two is just on Amazon UK. And so we can't find out what happens next. But Colin, I have been watching a lot of things that you can watch here in the United States that have been absolutely fantastic. Just finished watching The Tourist, which I believe was an absolute sensation in the UK. I think here we watch it on HBO Max. I'm of the under the impression that it was this massive phenomenon on the BBC. Would I be correct to assume that the BBC is one of the main stations that that you all would watch there? Yeah, so the BBC is um, the kind of main British channel, but would be available to us here as well. And they kind of would have some of the kind of pre a bit, it isn't technically this and people may give out to me for this but it'd be kind of like you know the hbo kind of style of things there'll be a lot more money behind um the the content that will be available there so there does tend to be some better shows over there as well so you sort of have this amnesia mystery adventure crime caper going on there uh, a lot of twists and turns set in australia and i have to admit colin i got a pretty soft spot for these shows set in Australia. Almost everything that I make it through the first 15 minutes that is set over there ends up being a lot of fun. Love to see that even though, you know, so much of Australia and especially in this show, you're really talking about a desert, that climate interesting and in the backdrop, the characters, the accents and the main character here actually isn't Australian. So they're always giving him a hard time about his accent, which I you know, don't want to do too many spoilers, but I think actually he's supposed to be Irish. So you know, we, we have that connection there. The number two recommendation is another show set across the pond. This one set there in England with some MI5 nonsense going on, right? You have factions within MI5 working against each other, doing some pretty nefarious things. This one called Slow Horses. It's on Apple+. Plus. They these episodes out sort of once a week so that's very frustrating you get very into it and then you've got to be patient but you have Kristen scott thomas you've got gary oldman he's astonishingly good at everything he's sort of an old curmudgeon washed up spy in this one who then obviously has to take the lead when complications ensue and so that one has been a lot of fun and then another apple plus show and, and possibly the best thing that i've seen since patriot Frequent listeners will know that Patriot and Deadwood really are the two shows that are best of the best, you know, full tier above everything else. Maybe the best show since Reprisal, which is this weird show that was on Hulu a couple of years ago and had all of these anachronisms where Reprisal was fun because it was set really like in all time periods, the sort of 1950s through, you know, modern day. You've got these old TVs and every once in a while you'll see a cell phone. That show I couldn't recommend more highly, but the best show in a long, long time, Severance, just had the season finale a week ago. Obviously, I'm not on social media, but you read the different reviews. I think the buzz for Severance has been absolutely fantastic there. And, you know, I, I won't give any of that away. But again, you have this sort of memory element and you, well, actually, let me give it away. You, the, the people are severed, right? So they don't remember what's happening when they're at work. And you think, well, that'd be great. You don't remember what's happening at work. But the downside of that is that it's not just a thing of not remembering, right? If you can't remember the time outside of work, that means that your persona, your personality, the portion that has the memory of work, that's all they have. So you're essentially just trapped in being at work forever. And you can kind of see how that would be demoralizing in and of itself. But then there are a lot of other very sinister things going on in this show. And so you then you have the thriller element as well. Anyway, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch these programs recently. Hopefully the, the listeners will have a good time checking out a few of those. And, and like you said, send recommendations back our way. No, don't want to you know be too unpleasant about it but netflix hasn't really been coming with it recently so again i've been joking about actually canceling my brother's netflix because i got sort of a, a shared 
subscription there as a birthday present because I had canceled mine at a protest, but then there was a show they knew I wanted to watch. So I got this. So now I'm kind of been joking about, well, I'll just cancel my brother's subscription in order to protest. Uh, I'm not sure that he would appreciate that, even though since he's got a, a young child, he is mostly just going to sleep anyway, which those of you who are parents, I think know all too well, but Colin, I'll kind of wrap up the trio of recommendations you've got holding for us. We are wrapping up episode 400. Thank you so much to all of the listeners. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. It wouldn't be any fun to do this without you. You guys have made OT what it is. We appreciate you, all of that support through the years. We'll try to make the next 400 even better. Yeah, definitely. And uh, every time Sean reads out these recommendations, I'm always like, you know, if I haven't heard of the show, I'm, I'm Googling it. And then I'm thinking I'm going to have to watch that. But you mentioned about the kids element and I've joked with Sean about this in the past. I'm always like, can we watch that with Caitlin in the room? Uh, and <laughs> she's very good at picking the points where there's lots of blood happening in the TV shows, <laughs> however she manages it. Uh, and I'll throw out two other ones quickly without going into them. I did watch The Gentleman, um, a Matthew McConaughey film, um, which I, I, it's a Guy Ritchie film. So anyone who's liked like Lockstock and Two Smoking Bars or Snatch, The Gentleman was a pretty fun, not a huge amount of you know, concentration needed to enjoy that one. Uh, and the other one I'm just going to throw out here, I might use it as an actual recommended in future. And it's one that I, I've been able to sit through and not, again, when you have a child around, sometimes the things with, the less thinking needed, the better. So uh, Young Rock as well uh, has been something that we've been kind of watching over the last couple of weeks, catching up on that one. But that is going to wrap us up for episode 400. We want to give away all our recommendations, Sean, in, in one go. I know we've been holding them back, but uh, send them. And if you have any for us, we'll talk about some of them on some upcoming shows. But that is episode 400 of Road of His Overtime. As always, you can get yourself a listeners-only discount to an NFL pass over at rotoviz.com with the code RVRadio2022. We will have two more shows coming your way this week on Thursday and Saturday. We will be joined by Scott Barrett um, of Fantasy Points. We'll be talking to him about a lot of upcoming NFL draft conversations. So looking forward to having Scott back on the show. So until we're back on Thursday with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.